1: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Cyberpunk Uncensored and I am Rob Mulligan. This episode is all about my buddy Will and his website. You might have heard of it. You might have heard of him. Maybe you don't call him Will, but you call him Cyber Smiley. What's up, man?
0: How you doing, man?
1: Doing good. good. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm glad we could connect here on the podcast. I know we've been, you know, chatting online and checking each other out and kind of supporting each other. And I mean, I've known you for, for a while before I kind of started putting myself out there in the community. And then you were awesome and responsive and welcoming. And yeah, I'm glad you, you were able to make it onto the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. The first thing I'd like to do is for anybody listening, I mean, I'm sure when I say Cyber Smiley, everybody knows about, you know, CyberSmiley.net and, you know, what you've done for the cyberpunk community. But for those out there that maybe don't know, you know, about your website and, you know, what you've done and you, let's maybe, you know, take me through, you know, a little story, take me back to little will. And when you first got into, you know, role-playing games and, you know, the history of you into gaming and coming up and then, you know, your website and where you're at now.
0: All right. So, uh. Might be a little bit of a, a long discussion. Uh, so that's good. I today, like that. <laughs> yeah. So I know because um, I've seen so, or listened to a couple of your podcasts, you know, the interview process and people, you know, where did you start off? Today I came to realize that, you know, this Christmas is going to be 40th year that 40 years ago I was introduced into. Um, so when I was a, a wee little lad, uh, you know, I was in dinosaurs, monsters, all that craziness as a kid and i went into a hobby shop i saw the first edition monster the rudimentary uh, art but it just
1: because it had all these monsters on it I oh, love- you you cut out for just a second there what what was it what was the book there uh, the
0: original uh, AD&D Monster.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. I have that.
0: Yeah. So that just drew me in. And, you know, at the time I asked my mom, oh, get me this. It's like, well, maybe. And uh, that Christmas, uh, I opened up uh, a present. And lo and behold, it was a blue box. So that's how I started uh, getting into role playing was AD&D uh, based. And then through the years uh, a lot of the games I played were Traveler, Battletech, Twilight 1000, FASA, Star Trek um, during the 80s so uh, when I got into cyberpunk that was kind of a a game changer (laughs) one of our friends one of our gaming friends uh, joined the navy he came back from boot camp um, and he was stationed on the base in the state, and he came back with one of his new newly acquired friends from the Navy. And this guy brought in this box that you know black box with you know the white uh, graphics on it and red lettering of cyber 20. So we rolled up some characters. My first character I remember, uh, Medtech with a empathy of three. So he had absolutely no bedside. Um, But what really caught me about the whole game, particularly with GM, did it. You know, one of the first um, basically games turned off. One of the solos comes home to the apartment and he finds, you know, his girlfriend sleeping with his boss (laughs) because he was a bouncer at a nightclub. And just that type of role playing you know, kind yes. of a realistic scenario um, really kind of opened my eyes because, you know, D&D and most most of the role-playing games were had some, you know, role-playing in it, but oftentimes it's a lot of hack and slash. Uh, you know, clear out the dungeon, grab the treasure, you know, gain level. So this whole thing changed my outlook of what a role-playing could be. Um, oh yeah. So he went away, and then one of our friends got the Twenty Twenty book because uh, it came out, you know, a couple months later. And, and I got the Twenty Twenty book, and then it just started running. And basically, my uh, you know, it continued to always play D and D. All gamers have love-hate relationship with D and D throughout their gaming. Um, but cyberpunk kind of took over for me in the night. Uh, for, for role-playing. I mean, I still played Battletech as a miniature game, but, you know, Cyberpunk was my
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, now that you men- mentioned that, it reminds me, I think that's another way that I kind of connected with you, is I saw you um, on Instagram posting about, you know, your Battletech setups, which were absolutely amazing. You have the whole maps out and the mechs, and it was just so cool, Um because I played that too back in the day when I first got into Cyberpunk like, you know, late eighties, early nineties, and getting into all that, um my buddy that showed me Cyberpunk got me into Battletech as well. Um and up until then I was only doing D and D. So I thought that was really cool when I saw um all the battletech stuff that you're into as well.
0: Yeah, I mean Battletech has always been a love of mine. Uh never really got into too many other miniature games tried a couple but never really seriously sunk any money into uh, any of the other mili- mi- miniature games that came and when I saw Robotech and saw that there was a game kind of similar to it uh, I had to get it. and I just love the mechanics of it. it takes a while to play but I, I'm, I've always loved Crunch so that's why uh, Battletech is always and, and Cyberpunk is, as well
1: yeah. Emberpunk
0: def- has a bit of crunch to it too.
1: Oh yeah, especially twenty twenty, you know, that's you know, it's kind of known for that, but it's so realistic, which is what I loved about it, you know? Yep. And so... just and, and just so you know, your mic is doing a little bit better, but it, it does seem to be cutting out like the beginnings and ends of your words just slightly. It might be the settings that you have there. Um yeah, me... you, you might have the sensitivity, uh you, you, you might be able to allow it to be more sensitive, I guess, because it's kinda cutting out the the end, the tips of your words, I can follow you, but just for the sake of our listeners, I want to make sure that we don't miss anything. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, uh, take, uh, for a moment before you go on with the story. The other thing that I wanted to mention that I thought was really cool is you talking about, um, you know, when you first got into it, your, your family, your parents got you, uh, you know, the book, the set that, you know, that got you started because you were into the monster manual, you love the art and stuff. And that's really cool because let's remind everybody, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, D and D and things like that weren't popular in the media. It was kind of pushed as like satanic and, you know, just like metal music and, you know, you know what I mean? So that was cool that your family could see through that propaganda bullshit and see that it was just a really cool creative game, you know?
0: Yeah. My mom, um, because my father died when I was uh, when I was only like 14 months old so Uh, long story but anyways (laughs) so my mom was kind of a single parent with three kids um, and she was a Latin teacher Um, so she you know appreciated Rome ancient Rome and ancient Greece and really got me into you know the mythology oh cool Uh, so that kind of pushed me to and, and, you know, plus with the dinosaurs, and I think every kid has, has that love. Oh, uh, yeah. Involved <laughs> me into, you know, the the beta nerd I was going to become, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and speaking of, you know, the satanic panic, um, like we're, when I was growing up, there was a, a club that met every other weekend. And really, I... It wasn't too much where I grew up, right here, up in uh, Connecticut. Um, however, I did have to, uh, or I did live for about six months with uh, my aunt and uncle <coughs> down in Florida. And, um, yeah, that that scenario uh, kind of uh, showed of, me the whole Titanic panic.
1: Yeah, what part of Florida was that? I lived in Florida uh, uh, before I got out here to L.A. I was in the Orlando area.
0: It, it was uh, out, outside of uh, Jacksonville.
1: Oh, okay, cool.
0: So my uncle was in the Navy, and um, they had a house outside of uh, Jacksonville. So I stayed there. Uh, And, of course, I brought all my D&D books. And when my aunt saw them, she did not care for them Um, (laughs) because she was very devout uh, Christian, So, um, which is fine, you know. But with the whole satanic panic, that's kind of when – she yeah. saw at these books as kind of evil um, to the point where, you know, after a few months of staying down there, she basically made me take all of those books, rip them up myself, oh. and put a flame to them.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I, I was a victim of it, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, granted, the, the only, only regret I had was uh, I had to Original uh, deities and demigods with uh, the Cthulhu and uh, Elric—that's uh, in it. So that kind of hurts a little, but you know, she, you know, she, she she meant well, right? I mean, right. Yeah. The whole craze of some of these people—you know—they they get wrapped up into an ideology and just don't really take a step back and look at like, oh, it's just a game, you know? I mean. It was a weird time, right? I mean, right. people still believe that demonic possession was, you know, a, a good percentage of the people thought, thought uh, demonic possession was, real, <laughs> right. you know?
1: No, exactly. It was ridiculous. I mean, we all grew up to be Satanists, but that's besides the fact. But no, I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> That'd be so messed up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean,
0: um, so yeah, you know, I lived through that. And then when I came back home, um, you know, I... Again, brought all the books and started hanging out with my gaming friends again. Um, so yeah, so '90s came around. I was really into cyberpunk, and that's when um, you know I was on AOL, right? And the whole internet started uh, evolving at that point. Um, and you know, I, I was working in a factory uh, at the time. You know, I had a house with a wife in the early '90s. So uh, when I started playing cyberpunk, you know, I'd go online and believe it or not, back then there was actually a book of all the, uh, all the web addresses that existed at one time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's,
0: that's how small it used to be. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a bunch of sites coming up, you know, with cyberpunk and, you know, fan sites were rampant back then. Um, there used to be a, a web ring for all the cyberpunk sites uh and just seeing those and and, you know some of the sites are were great um but i also wanted to do my own right and and my aol account allowed me to have a uh my i could create my own site with aol so that's when i started picking up html and starting to learn that and um creating my site back in 94 is what i think I do not have exact dates on when i actually created my site because it's transferred throughout uh various um host providers so yeah um
1: oh so you didn't you didn't you're not still with aol huh <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> I, I still have a, a mail email that's fine hell yeah <laughs> um as for hosting my site right so aol dropped that and then i had to move over to our GeoCities bought um the uh, providers from AOL accounts, or there was some partnership with AOL. So my site got moved over to GeoCities, and, you know, when GeoCities uh, shit the bed, that's when... Um, I, it's it's, yeah, it's a bit a while, but um, yeah. I think I tried to move my site over into... Uh, I think I tried to start creating it in blog spot. Uh, but then my wife, uh, who... Kind of had a side business of her own. She's she she, uh, she had a, a hosting provider that I just signed up and got a domain and uh, transferred my site to uh, to that. And now I have uh, cybersmiley.net going. Um, and my site has evolved over the years, uh, mainly because as I learned HTML, you know, um, I came to realize, oh, this is pretty easy. To know, and I had a bunch of uh, programmer friends, and kind of uh, decided to, you know, make a career change. And I went back to college, got a degree, and started becoming a computer programmer, um, which, of course, has helped the site immensely. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, then, uh, but before
1: you go on with how this, you know, develop the site and stuff, how did the name come about, Cyber Smiley? What's what's the so, origins of that? S-
0: the origins of Cyber Smiley is there is a a, um, illustration that was in uh, Protect and Serve of uh, this Yakuza guy, you know, getting up off the floor as a cop's busting in, and um, there was a bunch of graffiti uh, on one of the walls and it basically said, you know, Cyber Smiley says, go, go, Cyber Psycho. Uh, (laughs) And that's and you know when when my gaming group saw that, you know that became kind of a motto um, with with a lot of the characters. So when I started coming up with a you know an online presence, I chose you know the cyber smiley to be uh, kind of be my handle.
1: Wow! <laughs> so that's where that comes. That's from. really cool. That's like a a little uh, Easter egg sort of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Within that booklet yeah. is the origins of your nick- nickname, and that's really cool. Um, how I would tell that story is that, uh, you know, they, our Talsorian contacted you um, asking if they can <laughs> use your nickname in a, in the background of an image and you granted them permission. <laughs> now, no, That's funny. That's awesome though, for real. Yeah,
0: yeah so, um, yeah, so, you know, I changed careers, became a uh, computer programmer and of course, you know, that's when I started becoming a web developer. Um, And just that's kind of when I would say, you know, the apps on my site started coming into existence, because I was trying to learn the technology. And of course, my site benefited from it. Like originally, my site just had, you know, NPCs, scenarios, um, some of the maps that I have, Uh, And mostly it was just data, right? Um, So when I became a developer and I wanted to do stuff, that's when the apps came along. And the first thing, you know, I've always wanted to try was to create, you know, that Netrunner uh, experience. Um, Because as everyone knows, no one really likes Netrunners in 2020. Uh,
1: Yeah, I don't think it's like they don't, you know, not. It's not that they don't like it or whatever. I think it's that it's ju- it was just you know so difficult and took away from the rest of the team. And there's just aspects of it that that made it, I don't know, not not as functional. It, like I think I've heard it put put by a few friends, like man, the way that they had it set up, it could have been its own little separate mini game or whatever. And that's kind of how it felt if you yeah. implemented it. And you know, it just wasn't as teamwork like or something.
0: Yep, and, and that's why I created the, the Netrunner Navigator, right, was to kind of take some of that burden of all well, the players to just go in and, okay, I'm going to set up a run, I'm going to go to this data port, and then they can create their own trace uh, values and kind of have a little fun with it. Um, yeah. And then from that, I just started evolving my site into okay, what kind of utilities would be useful for me um, for, for running 2020? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's where the fashion calculator came because that whole, you know, Chrome 3, Chrome 4, Chrome 3, uh, that had those rules, uh, just, you know, a lot of calculations, a lot of math, so I just wanted to make it, make it a little easier. Uh, and that's how, you know, most of the apps, started spawning from, uh, is just how can I make it easier for people and myself to uh, run uh, games? Um, And of course, you know, it's kind of been spotty from uh, an update point of view off of my site, uh, mainly because like back in 2001, 2002, that's kind of when Cyberpunk kind of went away for me in a way um, because the players I was playing with you know moved on to different games or you know just lost contact and the other big thing that kind of hit me was uh, World of Warcraft (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah. so that uh, that sucked up a lot of my time Um, but luckily I'm recovering you know it's been three years
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny talking about it like it's some addiction group or like you know Hi, oh, I'm Cyber Smiley. I'm three years uh, past. Two years over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two years. Warcraft. So yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, and that game definitely had had some addiction, especially with a lot of people. It was just, but it was fun, you know. Um, so that kind of like petered out uh, my updates until the teaser came out in 2013 from uh, CD Projekt Red. that thing came out i was like oh i'm back in hell yeah (laughs) i'm gonna try to uh you know get some of the my life you know like the craziness that was in my life uh, a little more toned down and really try to get back into updating the site (laughs) um and then this past year of course being 2020 you know i kind of made made a goal for myself that i would do a release every month uh in celebration of us making it to the year 2020 yeah so so that's why you've seen a lot of activity and a lot of stuff being added to the site uh this year is because you know you need to pay the tribute to the man
1: yeah some of uh, mike yeah Mike Pondsmith. Hey, and that's awesome. It's always been, you know, a great resource for the Cyberpunk community. Like you said, it started off and and still going with, like, I saw you added some new maps recently, right? Um, Yeah. You know, some new blueprints. Uh, And I love that you do that. That's always, like, uh, something that is always needed in the community for GMs and stuff. But, like, you know, back in the day, you were having NPCs and maps and things, and it was just, you know, an awesome resource. But it's true, once you got into more you know, programming and got that knowledge, you know, I started noticing those macros and apps and stuff that automatically generate some of the life path stuff and things that you've been doing. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. In recent time, you are doing more updates. How are you feeling about Red coming out? Do you think you're going to, you know, obviously everything that's there is there, and and it's still, 2020 is still the beast that it is, and people love it. But when Red comes out, are you going to start working towards resources for that?
0: Uh yes, awesome. but I'm not holding my breath because <laughs> uh, you know when um, and it's no fault of uh, RTG uh, this year, but uh, I know that they they can take their time with releasing stuff. Yeah, uh, but you know it's definitely coming around the corner. Um, so I, I mean I was in a con I was at a con and um, this was. think 2014 2015 uh and i played in uh it was the first game i got to play in with uh, mike pondsmith as the referee uh and even then he was talking about the new edition because you know the the teaser just came out and he was like yeah we're working on a new edition so yeah it's red has been in the works for quite a while so
1: the one um, the one good thing i can say is I i don't know if you saw the cyberpunk panel i put together for Albacon, anybody listening, I just posted that podcast version, um, but the video of it uh, is on the Cyberpunk Uncensored channels on the YouTube and Twitch. But during that, uh, Jay Gray and James Hutt did say that they are are officially done with the editing process, and they're fully just working on wrapping up the design and layout. And that's why they weren't they posted to their Twitter recently. Hey, if you don't hear from us over the next week, just know that we're busy. So it sounds like they are literally, like like you said, right around the corner of wrapping this thing up. Like they're actually done with the editorial and they're just on, you know, wrapping the design. So, I mean, with the exception of the fact that, you know, printers are during the quarantine and everything takes forever, I had some other things that I've ordered and been part of and fundraiser stuff as well. And things just are taking, you know, months upon months versus weeks when it comes to uh, printer availability and shipping and all that sort of stuff so I'm sure that'll be the next big hill they've got to get over once they're done but it but like you said it does sound like they are right around the corner from releasing Red and I'm glad that you said uh, you know that you're gonna work towards resources for Red I'm excited about that because I'm a big fan of Red I um, you know we've got the advanced copy and I'm, I'm addicted I love it I mean I love everything cyberpunk, you know that, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but I but I, I'm really digging on some red and I'm excited to know um that you plan to make some resources for it. I'll definitely be utilizing that for uh, my games.
0: Yeah, and I would just want to say, you know, thanks for putting that uh Albacon uh seminar together, man, cuz it's oh, yeah. nice to, you know, to hear from, you know, Jay and um
1: oh, what's his name? James James yeah yeah it. James Hutt he's the uh the guy who kind of uh, sets all the rules he's the mayor of Balanced Town they call him over there in our Sorry. and he's the one that kind of streamlined the way that things work and combined things um you know and I've said it before and anybody that didn't know uh you don't believe the rumors that like uh you know Red is nerfing up the the crunch and like getting rid of it. It's, It's actually like a lot of it has been really thought of in depth to the point where like they've made charts and ways to streamline it to where all that extensive uh, crunch from 2020 is actually built in, if that makes sense. So they've they've, I mean, it's it's so smart the way that they've done it. But when you dissect some of the ways that that they've made some of these rules work, you'll see you'll see it's it's the equivalent of of what red was or uh, 2020 was doing it's just they've kind of ha- they have it more built in it's just a bit more streamlined and easier to to i don't know play a bit faster which is kind of cool you know
0: yeah yeah i
1: mean <laughs> i wish you didn't have
0: an nda but i
1: understand it um, yeah yeah but you get the, you get the general idea you know what i'm saying yeah,
0: so, like, I have a question for you. Uh, what, How much percentage of uh, Cyberpunk 2020 do you think has been carried over into Red? Like, from a rules point of view, and a mechanics point of view?
1: Um, I would say probably about, like, I don't know, Maybe maybe, maybe close to, I mean, well, and I haven't seen full-on Red. I just have, like, the core rules. There's a lot missing from that, a lot of elaborated rules and other things. Um, but I would say almost everything, I mean, almost everything that I can think of that I've done in 2020, there's a way to do it in red. I should say there wasn't much that was, that was missing things that were missing from my core rules that I haven't been using in game because I only have like the beta version that they, they allow us to stream with. Um, I can, I can say there's parts in that that say like they'll reference things and then say, see page. And it'll be like, xxx like it's not there for our beta version, you know? So like. Um, I'm pretty confident everything that, that you think of is going to be there. If it's not, I would say it'd be like, I don't know nine, 90 something percent, you know what I mean? But I haven't yep. seen, but I haven't seen the full. I've only got like the little beta version where I can use some of the fun extended rules. so um, Cool. But yeah, back to your site. So that's really cool that you plan to, uh, you know try to make resources for red and just keep up with the, the versions as they go but you also mentioned like you know project red and what they're doing so you excited for the video game as well
0: yeah i mean when i you know back in the 90s right was the other reason why i got into it was like oh i'm gonna create video games right (laughs) um being being young and and motivated uh however (laughs) never came to fruition so Uh, i'm still in it but not as a as a computer uh computer game designer. So, um, yeah, when I saw that, when I saw they finally came out with that, um, it just pumped me up to really, you know, put put back into my site. Because the other thing I knew was there's going to be this next generation of cyberpunk players out there who are just learning about it. And and even today, I keep on because I. Uh, I uh, go to the forums and um this project reds uh discord and you know they have a little section for 2020 and just seeing all these people come in and like what what's this 2020 what's going on um yeah and and everyone's been great to all these new players so um it's it's nice right and you know being an old fart like me you know there's always (laughs) that 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 uh concept of well this isn't my cyberpunk you know type of attitude and you know uh, i i kind of had that at one point but you know what it's it's not going to help right it's not going to help the the community it's not going to help me you having fun with you know these new systems so um basically it's 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 going to be all good you know and just seeing like you coming online and and promoting it and uh john john and just getting it out there is just it's great to see that and i think it's well deserved i mean i can be happier for our chal and um and getting all this attention you know it's it's just awesome to see that a game that i loved for so many years is now seeing a resurgence into who knows what right yeah
1: no exactly and i think it's like you said there's there's you know, there's definitely going to be some pushback with any new version of any games, gaming system. There's going to be some people that are just, you know, loving 2020. They're not going to like some of the streamlined stuff. They're not... I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? They're just like when uh, D&D went into 5th edition, there's, there's going to be that. But I think with the video game and then the combination of the tabletop and the way it's going to kind of blow up in popularity, similar to what happened with, uh, you know, 5e, and 5e, I think that... Uh, you know, the majority is gonna outweigh the few that are kind of I don't know stuck or pulling that elitist vibe. I think a majority are gonna see it like you just described, where it's like, man, this is gonna be cool. We're gonna have a lot more players, a lot more GMs, more chances to play, more content to enjoy. And through that popularity, let's not forget the the root of it all, which is our Talsorian's gonna make more money, which means they're gonna be able to create more content for all of us to enjoy. You know, once they start getting more popular and they see that it's popular you know, they're going to see the worth in making modules and source books. And you know what I mean? And I'm sure the, the project red, they're going to see the the worth in investing in expansions and the the next thing, part of it or whatever, who knows what they're thinking of, but you know what I mean? I think it's all, it's all good. Like you said, I think uh, it just depends on how you look at it. But, um, but yeah, I've seen the same thing. A lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of younger generations getting into the video game and then, you know, coming to the different groups online and sites and being like, oh, shit, wait, what's this? this is, Cyberpunk is a tabletop game, too? <laughs> it's kind of cool.
0: And, and the thing I was expecting is, you know, um, people coming out and saying, hey, I'm going to create a, a Cyberpunk uh, D20, right, a 2077 D20 game. I'm like, oh, well, there's another game out there that's already doing that. And then I think that was um, yeah. uh, one thing that I saw a lot of was that Cyberpunk didn't always have the popularity um, to other our role-playing games, right? Versus D&D, which is The King. And then, you, oh, had, yeah. you know, Pathfinder and Call of Cthulhu and really quite a few others that had a, a, a following. But, you know, Cyberpunk always seemed like it was everyone loved it, but not a lot of people played it.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. I think D&D is like, you know, the godfather of role-playing games and, like, I don't know, established such a, a base foundation of popularity being that it was, you know, what it was. I, I think that all, all the other sort of fantasy-found ones, like you mentioned, Pathfinder and Cthulhu and anything else derivative of fantasy, quote-unquote, found, I don't know, a built-in audience to where it could be popular, whereas some of the sci-fi ones were kind of... um you know, plan B or whatever, you know, they didn't get as much publicity. They didn't, they, they didn't come from the bigger uh, game houses or manufacturers. I mean, look, look at our Talsorian. They're a family uh, run company. You know, it's pretty much, pretty much the Pondsmiths and like a few, few others that work for the company, but it's not, not that big, you know? And I just, I I imagine it's just, you know, it comes down to the the publicity and popularity of it uh, building. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think the spotlight is finally, um, kind of swaying towards the the sci-fi side of things, or at least the dark dystopian future. Like cyberpunk is getting a lot of a lot of press. That video game is blowing it up. The new version of Red coming. I really think it's it's coming. There's going to be a big wave of cyberpunk, you know, and it's great. I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think
0: having Keanu, um, oh
1: yeah, be part of
0: that game is just, you know. Oh, it's awesome from him being Johnny Mnemonic and uh, Neo and you know all these other characters he's played that have that cyberpunk attitude um, and just him being there is just you know I think it's just gonna it's gonna create such a buzz um, with, with the with the computer game and with uh, RTG's game so I'm excited yeah for the coming years no such so a... we just need to get over this plague
1: yeah exactly <laughs> no I'm, I'm excited like you said it's uh it's like he's so iconic and like perfect for it because of the roles he's had and his look and all that stuff like he just fits right in but i think it's also you know notable that the actor the person keanu reeves is like i don't know most of the press he's like he's just a nice guy like he's a cool dude you know yep and like yeah. uh um so it's not just like the great acting and and the, the roles but he's just a cool guy and like i don't know it just fits in perfect like you said it's so cool yep <laughs> but,
0: yeah. um but getting back to like the red and getting the stuff done yes it's coming um i know it's not coming quick enough for some people i i've seen comments and had people you know reach out to me and saying hey you know why where's more red on your site and i'm like you know I'm just waiting it for it just as, as, much as you guys. And I'm in dizzy anticipation to uh, get some more uh, stuff specifically for red. So it's definitely coming guys. Hell oh, yeah. Else, uh, just need to, uh, you know, hold on for just a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It's coming. It's right around the corner. I'm excited that you're down to do that. Um, like I said, I'll definitely be using, uh, the resources you create. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, playing and role playing, you've been into it since you were a kid. Um, so over the years, do you play more or GM more or what? Um, I would say I prefer to be a player,
0: but oftentimes um, there's not a lot of good GMs in the, in the groups I have. Uh, or, you know... The, uh, there's one guy I'm friends with he's been GMing for psh, since the 80s uh, so I try to like take over for him but he's not he does not do cyberpunk at all he's definitely if, if the game doesn't have elves in it he doesn't want to play it uh, um, okay. which is kind of you know distracting so that's kind of one of the other reasons why you know my cyberpunk career kind of took a back seat and with my, you know, career, my wife, and everything else in my life, I couldn't really go to like a gaming shop and, and start up a session because, you know, because of my career, it's often, you know, the days and nights I might have to work wasn't good for, you know, trying to start something at a local gaming shop. However, you know, a couple months ago, towards the beginning of the year. You know, one of my friends finally was like, Hey, there's gonna be, you know, a game happening, it's gonna be like every other week, it's on a Tuesday night, why don't you come play? And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it was perfect timing because usually my Tuesday nights were free, so I started being a player with that group. Um and then risk pandemic hit and we kinda shifted over to uh online and of course his the GM's life was uh a little chaotic and he you know we couldn't meet on a regular basis because of his work so because uh, he put in a lot of planning into the game so um I just said you know what screw it I'll, I'll start running um I have a couple ideas uh so let's see how that goes so I will be playing my third set or refereeing my third session uh
1: this coming Tuesday, so. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, you, you said you prefer to play, but I guess, you know, like most, it, there's just not as many GMs as players, and, yes. you know, you're good at it, so you step up to kind of hook it up for your friends and stuff, right? Am I getting that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Pretty awesome, much. though. Um, but, yeah, let's get into some GM talk, you know? Uh, you know I do the the GM tips on the youtube and twitch channel um and i want to have you on an episode of that and kind of go over you know some things but let's hit on some of those subjects right now if if you're down with that yeah sure yeah when it comes to uh you know gming let's talk about gm styles um what do you what you know what styles do you prefer um you know as a player and also as a gm
0: so as a gm um from my style is I often put the player or I kind of give them a mission right uh, and kind of push them into getting into that mission and once they're whether and again it's not necessarily a combat mission it could be you know go off and, and save the princess from the castle or hey go help this uh, community downtown who's been harassed by the corpos and uh, but I give them kind of an end goal. And then between, you know, the setup of the game and getting to that end goal, that's where it just becomes very fluid for me. Uh, in the past, you know, I've, I've never really done too much prep for some games. Uh, some of those games were horrible. Some of them were really great, uh, but, you know, Now I'm trying to get a little more prep in because I think the quality of the game and just doing just simple prep, right? Just, hey, let let me go Google Maps. Let me call up, you know, uh, a map of an area. Yeah. Uh, Let me just go and grab some uh, NPC, you know, images. Just do a search on some people, copy paste, you know, throw it in a Word doc uh, and just do quick, you know, bios on... on, uh, some of these people um, and groups, and then just keep them there. I mean, if the players get to them, they get to them. If they don't, you still have them on hand. So, yeah, and I should, and I'll
1: interject hand. there. I think that's <laughs> what what I think always happens. You know how it's it's just so unpredictable. I I, I get what you're saying. Like it it adds so much to a, a campaign when you at least arm yourself with some of that information and and some of those resources that you can pull from. But like you said, it's kind of good to have all these random notes or whatever about it um, because it, it is really just resources. It's not like you're following an exact storyline or whatever because players are, you know, everyone's creative and you're going to get something unexpected, you know?
0: Yeah, and and players will always ruin what, you, what your <laughs> expectation of a game is going to be. Yeah. Um, but don't, don't always let that, you know, To me, that doesn't always bother me, right, because I will always take something that I created, right, and yeah, okay, it's not going to be used now, but I can, you know, pivot it and make it into something different that will fit into a future session.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, if you come up with something clever... And it and the players don't get into that at, that part of the campaign or that part of the map or whatever, and you're ah, like, oh, they didn't get to see this that I this idea I had that I was gonna put. just take that idea and put it aside, save it for a future campaign or something where you can use it again, and you know I think that's a great idea.
0: Yeah, and oftentimes I I think of a scene, kind of you know, because to me role playing is definitely has that entertainment of movies, TV series, uh, whatever, right? So oftentimes i will actually come up with a scene of what i would like to see not necessarily that it's going to go come to fruition because again players will always change something but oftentimes and i'm not saying i manipulate the players or roughshod them but usually just knowing your players you can kind of guide them into what you want them to get into right um and again, it's it, there's always that fine line of, you know, forcing players to do something versus, you know,
1: motivating. Guiding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, because I know there's there's always that debate of of GMs just strong handing players into an adventure and the players not having fun. So right. as a GM, you gotta number one know your players and two know how to manipulate them into what you want them to do. Not necessarily that, you know, don't outright tell them they have to do this, um, but guide them and give them more incentives. And and cyberpunk, to me, is a great system to do that, right? Because players, number one, uh, because cyberpunk isn't a level game, right? It's that you're not trying to motivate them through levels, but you're motivating them through... You know, cash, items, gear, skills, Uh, you know, that's kind of what was one motivation of this game. And, you know, having a fixer come along and say, hey, I'll give you, you know, a couple grand to uh, go and do this thing for me. Right. Um, Oh, yeah. and, And players might see that as kind of like them being manipulated, but they can always refuse
1: no exactly and I think that that's one of the cool things I really love about cyberpunk is you know there's such great life path things and all ki- all kinds of stuff you can use as motivations to, to make campaigns you know have them make sense for the players and keep things moving in the directions you need but just the fact cyberpunk is so brutal it's such a tough world you know it's it, whether you're 2020 or red having a hard time you know affording or sourcing things per se like for red um you know, money is always an issue. You know, you always need more money. And uh, you're always having to, you know, buy something or put money into something. so, like, that, it, it, it's always a great motivator more than just, like, oh, yeah, let's get more money. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's part of survival in the game comparatively to, like, D&D where you might collect a, you know, a shitload of gold that you barely spend. And like, you know, you run into some merchants, you buy stuff, but you're collecting it because, whereas I feel like cyberpunk, it's almost part of your survival. So it's, it, it, it's an easy motivation to drop in. Like you said, just have, have them get hired for a gig with, you know, give them opportunity to make money, you know?
0: Yep. And you got to make rent every month, <laughs> right?
1: Exactly. because You don't want to sleep on the street. Right? Oh no. And, and let me add this, that panel that I did with, uh, you know, for the cyberpunk uh, panel for Albicon, uh, James and Jay mentioned that they've actually come up with a whole system for quote unquote downtime and there's no longer going to be downtime. So like in between sessions, you're no longer, I guess, I I imagine just kind of summarizing, oh, the past week you did this, what do you want to do? And like, I don't know, I think they have some type of built-in thing where like, you know, you're actually having to account for expenses and you're spending money and it's a little, it's a little tougher apparently. And they were like laughing about it, but saying it's really cool. And like, I don't know what to expect there or what to take out of that, but it sounds like there's something there. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, that is definitely a motivation, you know,
1: having
0: a nice place to live, having a nice place for your character to live Um, and, and stop being broken into because you got a one room apartment in the combat zone, you know, um, but yeah so so there's definitely a lot of mechanics to kind of force the players uh and i know that there are is the the concept of okay all that stuff is just meta and we don't need to worry about that when you're in a gaming situation right um i've seen this through gnd that you know i don't have you know i don't keep track of my money right or a gm will just say well i don't want to deal with it so you know i'll deduct gold from your treasure and i'll just consider that paying for you know you guys living yeah um which is fine right it makes the the system go along but you know if you look back at, at gary's rules um in the first you know first day and i mean <laughs> the amount of gold a character needed to go up levels was crazy yeah um uh, so, so, there is that incentive with this game, which I love.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, it's like, you know, because you don't want to have to account for, like, okay, I ate breakfast. Okay, now I got to eat lunch. I got to do dinner. Um, where am I sleeping tonight? Or where am I sleeping tomorrow night? I have to do breakfast. I have to do lunch. Like, you, you, all, all these expenses can make the game not fun when it, it just becomes this sort of, I don't know, uh, life simulation, but the boring parts. Or something. Yep. I don't know the mundane shit, but I think that's kind of what the guys were referring to in red. They've made it to where I don't know. There's charts or a system that kind of handles that sort of stuff, and and po- I don't, you know, don't quote me on this, but possibly summarizes that and makes it a, a role or somehow they've made it part of the game. But it's not gonna be so mundane or whatever. But it's I don't know, gonna yeah. possibly be. Uh, detrimental to your survival who knows I don't know they're sounding like it
0: yeah and you know and I've heard your you know interviews with other people uh and talking about like talking with the players is, is a key uh yeah but for me it's I only talk to my players when I feel that either they're not motivated or they're just not liking the game right um that's when i come up and discuss okay i i notice you know you're you're you're, you've kind of drawn back from playing and not really participating in a game you know what's going on is it content what did you like to see yeah Uh, but oftentimes before that even happens and before that communication you know i'll definitely try to make that character a spotlight of the game uh in one way or another Right, just to get them motivated back into the game, because yeah.
1: you
0: know when you when you have six people sitting at a table and all of them are looking for your attention, you know there's definitely people who who aren't as um, doesn't come forward as much. So those you always want to make sure that you're appeasing all the players at the table. Yeah, uh, because all of them have can come up with crazy ideas and, and just. it it leads to some great uh, role-playing situations but there's also you know problem character or problem players as well that you know you definitely want to talk to Um, but oftentimes you know when I when I first meet a crew especially with cyberpunk you know I'm like okay I understand that this is a very violent world and you know whatever you you put out (laughs) you might receive exactly who you know decide to to mess with the police right okay fine mess with the police guess what they're going to be better armed than you and it's going to amaze you at how quickly they can kill you with their assault rifle exactly um
1: no i'm definitely i'm I'm definitely a fan like session zero try to lay it out as much as you can so they know what to yep. expect with gameplay and how your GM style is and all that stuff. And then, like you said, if, if you're running into certain problems and aspects of the game that aren't working well or things are, I don't know, whatever whatever's going wrong, you know, you try to deal with it in-game. There's different tactics and ways that you can, like you said, manipulate the game and the players into getting things back on track or in a certain way that's better or whatever. And then I always like to think that the last resort, obviously, is after the session having to take that player aside and say, hey, man, I'm really trying here. And, uh, you know, is any, anything wrong or what's going on here? Like, depending on what the problem is, you know. But I, But I'm with you. I think as much as you can, I don't know, kind of manipulate things in game and just keep it flowing or notice certain things and then bring attention to it, you know, I think that's so much better. It's so much more fluid and more fun, you know
0: yeah and, and with cyberpunk one of the parts i love is getting the players to be paranoid right because if they become paranoid and, and they want to keep their characters they're willing to you know be a little more hesitant from charging in guns ablazing, right and and seeking instead of going for a combat solution they go into a role-playing solution um because you know with that paranoia you just don't want to lose your character right Uh, everyone creates character loves the whole creation process and you know one bullet in cyberpunk will take you out easily uh and then just also by, by instilling a little more paranoia into the characters right you can then also control their actions in a way um because they they don't want to use certain resources because they don't know if they're compromised or not, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then they start looking at their life path and, oh, man, I have family. What if they're going to go after them? And, you know, just having the players start thinking, like, outside of just their character and thinking of the world, right? It, I think it becomes more immersive for the player when oh, yeah. you know they start thinking of all these nbcs and and who are have strong connections to their character uh and what they want to do to try to help them
1: yeah and doesn't it always uh for a gm make things easier when they get like that and then it starts adding to the story like i'll, I'll notice like okay i've got this this campaign idea this great storyline and then like certain things will happen like whether it be paranoia or or straight up fear or maybe a a friendly love interest or another thing that they think of that they could benefit from or uh, capitalize off of. And all of a sudden the, the campaign goes on a quick tangent or something else gets dropped in that you weren't expecting because of the player acting or saying a certain thing or whatever. And then you're like, wait a minute, but that's kind of a cool idea. That's kind of fun. Let's go with that. And like, doesn't, don't you love it when it kind of just, I don't know, expands the stories and adds to the game, you know?
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, to me, instilling that paranoia, leads players to start talking about conspiracies. Right. And their conspiracies is
1: your food. Yeah, you start writing them down, you're like, oh that's so good. Exactly. And building off of that. Yeah, Yeah. You know.
0: Because not only not only does it help you, right, keep provide more story and provide, you know, some scenario or or provide you with more. Yeah to give to the players because you might have been like coming to an end and coming up you know having no ideas or having a dry spot and then coming in and bringing this using that to them and, and by the way never ever present it as as oh you gave me that idea Right, right. To, because if you present it to them it gives them this feeling of wow I saw how how you were thinking, and, and you know, it gives them kind of, um, I
1: don't
0: know, uh, some, I don't know, sense of accomplishment that they figured
1: out. Well, it gives them a little a too much – I feel like it gives them a little too much feeling of safety or whatever. It takes away from some of that paranoia when they feel like – They've contributed too much to the idea or the foundation of some a new idea or a tangent you went on. They almost feel like uh, they've got control because they've created that yeah. scenario. And and I'm I'm with you on that, man. I did a, a interview recently. I forget with another GM where we were talking about something very similar, and I was like, yeah. And sometimes they'll come up with a weird tangent, and you're just like oh, shit, that's actually better than I had planned. You, you, you know what? That's exactly what's happening, you know? And you never tell the player. You're just like, yeah, that's... Oh, you figured it out. Like, you know, you, you kind of just lean into it if it's a great idea because it can really expand the storyline. But, but yeah, like you said, you got you to gotta be careful that you don't give too much power to the players because then you lose some of that paranoia and some of that danger, which is, hell, that's what cyberpunk needs. It's what it feeds off of, you know?
0: Yep. And so... That's great for the role playing aspect. So, when you start yeah. getting into actions, right? Um, if you read through Cyberpunk, the, the, the core book, right? What does it talk about? Cinematics, cinematics, cinematics. So, whenever you get into an action scenario, or combat scenario, you know, borrow it from your, you know, an action movie that you love, right? And get some of those scenes and how they react and then describe it to the players, right? And also when, when you're in combat, you also want to kind of push the players a little, right? Because I've GM'd plenty of groups and, and always combat's kind of a roadblock to, in my opinion, right? Because oftentimes players will sit and think, right? Like it's a game of chess, so I got to think, Okay. What if he does this, this, and this, and then it takes them longer time to do an action. Um, And granted, it's it's getting also feedback from the GM. No, I know. But I know you mean like they start
1: they start talking to each other a little too long in the middle of it, like making a decision. You know, and you want to like push that along. So you're like, well, now something's happening. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: as a GM, you if you want to keep the action going, just tell them. Okay, I'm going to give you. 10 seconds. If you don't give me anything, it's moving on to the next person because you hesitated in combat. Yeah. Right. And it happens.
1: Yeah, you put the pressure um, on. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and that's that can be received by some players well. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. And it's like, well, you know, uh, I'm more, in, or my character's more intelligent than me, so I should take more time to think about it. Right. And I'm like, okay. Uh, good point. But think about it while. know other people are going don't think about it on your turn um and and that's to me can help combat flow quickly right if you give a certain time limit to every character to do an action uh during combat and during their turn they're going to pay a little more attention to the combat um, when it's not their turn and start thinking about what they can do Uh, so that's something i i always try to especially in, in cyberpunk is make those combat scenes dramatic right? yeah so there was one game that i uh was refing, and basically they were on the hunt for um uh this guy they found him they started following him and this guy was you know pretty cybered up they go he goes that walking down an alley or cuts down an alley because he made his you know awareness notice check on as they were following him and they they couldn't really, at all any, any good, but, you know, them coming around the corner, and all of a sudden, the guy's not there, and how they reacted. You know, one guy started pulling out a gun, and that's when the guy who, you know, had some cyber legs jumped up on top of the building on the roof and just started shooting down on him, um, <laughs> and it turned nice. into a very bloody mess. And just having the guy, you know, that NPC, jump off the building and land, you know, three stories, you know, three-story fall, and then just start pulling out his wolvers and ripping one of the other players up, kind of like, you know, made that whole uh, situation, just everyone in the, the table was like, oh my god, we're dead.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but one of the characters, you know, took all of his luck, put it into uh, a headshot, and killed the guy so nice but it, it, it just listening to the players as that situation unfolded and how quickly you know it escalated to very very serious consequences um really you know to me the players loved it because you know yes two of them died and those guys were like yep yeah, okay that's fine we, we we screwed up you know um we weren't cautious but just that whole Vision of you know the guy goes around the alley as you approach the alley, you look down it, and all you see is rubbish and nothing else. And all of a sudden, you guys start coming under fire, you're not quite sure where, yeah. And then them dispersing, trying to find cover, and describing what the you know the scene of the street. And all of a sudden, you see the guy just jump off the roof and you know land on his feet and starts ripping, you know. Bob apart with wolvers and all the other players scattering is just, it's just really getting into the scene and describing the scene really will make players love it, even if they get mauled and killed. Right. <laughs> if you can describe the scene and the action and how it takes place, that's that's where you're going to get the most benefit, you know, and everyone will enjoy it. And it's for new, new GMs, it'll take time for you to do that. <laughs> um, basically, to learn your players, how to manipulate players. Um, it's definitely not something that, you know, uh, someone who is new is going to understand. Um, in my opinion, any new GM should, and any new players should always look at anything they do as throwaway uh, for the first couple of sessions. Right. Do not devote too much time. Do not devote too much energy. Understand that these are going to be your failures that you learn from, uh, and once you look, start learning and starting getting into a groove, that's when you know you start basically building your skills and, and improving your skills as a GM and as a player.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, I, I think that is definitely a key factor. Is you know the experience in actually doing it you know i'll see a lot of people online and like in the in, in particular like in the cyberpunk uncensored group i was seeing somebody post about being a new gm and they were asking like um you know i'm just i'm i'm waiting for red but i'm picking up 2020 cuz i want to learn as much as i can i've read it but i'm confused i think i get it should i you know read it a few times through how many times did you read it before you got it and like they were posting it and i saw people commenting before I could, and I was going to comment the same thing too, but it was like everyone, at least all the experienced GMs were like, no, no, no. You've read it. You kind of get it. Dive in. Like you get the only way you're really going to learn how to be a good GM is you've got to just GM. You got to dive in and trust that you know enough of the rules and you got some creative thoughts and go for it. And then you'll kind of see what works, what doesn't work. Like you said, you know, you'll, you'll have probably the first handful of sessions in your life that are just kind of throwaway sessions or whatever, you know, cause you're, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to, you know, it's it, it's a learning process, but the only way you're you're not just going to read it in the rules. You've got to play. You've got to actually GM yeah. and, and get into it. You know.
0: Yeah, and there's a, a YouTuber, uh, Seth Skorkowski. Um, he got there's one bit of advice in one of his videos that I saw, which made perfect sense, especially when learning a new new game. Is read the game, and you know, just do a combat. You know, just do combat, just to understand it, how the rules work. You know, you're not really making any characters, you know, just do pre-gens and just do combat and see and understand how that works, right? And for cyberpunk, it's the same thing, right? Run a combat. Uh, See how it works, how it flows, you know, what you missed, what you didn't miss and understand the mechanics and take your time while doing it. And the same goes with, you know, role-playing. Uh, take a quick, small scenario uh, or, or situation and just role-play it out with pre-gen characters um, just so you understand how it works and how you can change it. And, and that should be kind of a pre, pre-session pre zero game, right? Yeah. Because it's you learning the rules. It's you learning role It's you know,
1: it's like going through the then, the, t- the tutorial of a video game or something, you know. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, because that, if you learn that first, then your first game is probably going to be better than trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, because I've been in plenty of games in which we're learning the rules as we play, um, and it just gets bogged down with everyone sitting there reading the book or misinterpreting a rule and arguing about a rule, um, which often leads to, yeah, I really don't like this new game, right? Right, (laughs) yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, what I love to do, if you are, any GM's listening to, if you're doing a new game, the easiest way to kind of deal with that is always tell your players, like, hey, you know, yeah, we've got this new set. I think we get it. We're going to go for it. Um, If we do hit a portion of the game where you think, I did something wrong. You can go ahead and mention if it doesn't spark my memory, and I'm still kind of. I think I'm right. We just move on. We do it my way. Then after the game, we'll look it up. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll do it that way moving forward. You know. Yep. But but I'm with you. I think like man, it, it can definitely start slowing a game down or bogging it down when you start just diving into the rules of something new so I I think that's a great tip like uh whether you know set you're reiterating what Seth said and it's still a good tip you know and you're expanding it beyond just the combat but yeah you can easily take you know portions of the game and kind of test them out like run a few little mini combats with friends you know just with some pre-gens or even you run it you know and just kind of see how it goes you know how the rules work and the, the turns and things like that, and then you can also do that with role playing and testing skills, and you know, make up like little storylines where they've got to interact and see how, how how it is to run some NPCs with your for your players, you know, and learn these little components and aspects of being a GM, and and then get into it, you know. But no matter what. Again, I think it it does come down to like read the rules, get the book, learn it as much as you can, but you got to get your feet wet. You got to dive in, whether you're doing little test things like that or full on running sessions and learning as you go or whatever, but you got to just get into it. Don't be scared, you know?
0: Yeah. And like to your point, you know, if you do screw up, if you do, you know, misinterpret rules, don't just go to the books immediately and spend, you know, 15 minutes right. and just say, hey, we're going to rule it um I'm going to rule it now because you are the referee and it is your game and some players might not like the ruling that happens during that game but at the end that's when you can talk about it and say well this is my as a GM this is how I interpret it and you know you can try or you can we can t- to discuss it and come to to uh, a mutual understanding of okay in the future this is how we're going to rule it right yeah because we, I, one of my friends, you know, his his complaint with, with most games is, especially with, you know, rulings that aren't necessarily in the book, um, so the GM comes up with it, he prefers to see the consistency, and that's the other thing, is just be consistent with consistent with your ruling, right? Yeah. Don't favor any other players. Um, don't favor, you know, you and <laughs> what you want to do with the story. Which is another thing, and that's the railroading railroading that can happen. Yeah. um, Because players are not going to like that. So, and also, never ever say, "Well, I'm doing it because I am the referee." Period.
1: Right. Yeah. Because I said Um, so. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: Because it is it is definitely a social game, and you know, having an attitude with your players or being a killer GM just because isn't going to isn't going to last very long right especially with the players
1: yeah it's a it's a collaborative you know you're all creating this world and this story you may you may as a gm kind of hold the foundation and a little bit of direction but everyone is contributing you know and you got to let the players each have an equal part in that world and that story because everybody wants to contribute and be part of it you know yep yeah but um but yeah, I think me and you could talk for hours about GM stuff. And like I said before, I want to have you uh, come do a, a Game Master Tips episode for the channel. I think, uh, I, I don't know what episode we're up to now, but I'd love to have you on. We can talk about your process of campaign building. I've also got some other ideas. so Maybe we could do, you know, multiple episodes if you're down with that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be really cool. Um, but yeah, bringing it back to the, the main focus, I definitely want to... Uh, Bring it back to you know cybersmiley.net and remind everybody listening go check it out. Be excited that when Red comes, he's gonna make some resources for that um, because we're all real happy with what you what you do for 2020 and we're we're excited that you're you know doing something new every month for 2020 and keep keeping it going, man. It's it's awesome. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Anybody listening, check out his site, give it a share, look him up online. Uh, do the same for Cyberpunk Uncensored. You've heard me mention the the Game Master tips and the videos and things. You know, look us up on YouTube, Twitch. Just go to CyberpunkUncensored.com. We've got a bunch of links and cool things there as well as sponsor discounts and more. But, uh, yeah, any last words before I kill this transmission?
0: Sure. One last word is uh, my site is there for the community. So if you guys find any bugs, typos... Uh, or want to see other functionality in my site? Hit me up. There's uh, an email link on my site. Uh, there, I also am on the various uh, Facebook groups as well as Discord. Uh, I'm in a few of the Discords, and I also check out uh, Reddit. So, oh yeah. By all means, hit me up. And uh, if you don't like something on my site, you know I'm. I'll listen. I might not <laughs> agree with you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll at least listen, you know. No, and I, I think that's awesome.
1: That's no, very cool, very cool. So, yeah, anybody listening, you know, he's open to suggestions and, uh, and you know, if you see typos or anything like that. I think you're you're a one-man army and you're open to yep. opinion and help, so that's really cool, man. And I think it's awesome that you do it for the community and you want it to be, you know, community involved so uh it is open like that so that's really really fucking cool so yeah anybody listening keep that in mind check it out show some support and uh i'll be talking to everybody soon take care